Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. We're recording the morning after Nottingham Forest went away to Old Trafford and got beaten 3-0 by Manchester United. It was a game where, as much as the result, I think people are a little bit worried about the uh, number of available players Forest have. And with that in mind, let's start off with the team news. So Wayne Hennessy started in goal with Dean Henderson ineligible to play against his parent club. Across the back, we had Serge Aurier, Joe Worrell, Willie Bolly, and at left back, Renan Lodi. Remo Freuler was anchoring the midfield with Yates and Mangala either side. And then up front, Taiwo Awanyi was flanked by Brennan Johnson and Jesse Lingard. So it was a 4-3-3 in that sense. But um, Baz, you were at the match. You were behind enemy lines. Um, <laughs> and um, the first thing to note, I suppose, is actually that it wasn't Taiwo up front, but it wasn't the um, the the number 10 playing behind two wide forwards either. It was basically Lingard playing as the, as the centre forward with Taiwo on the left wing, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Um, although it was quite fluid and... To be fair, the three of them saw so little of the ball, it didn't really matter what positions they were in. Mm, yeah. Um, let's talk about the actual action. Um, you know, the record books show that Forrest conceded on about 20 minutes and then they conceded another one um, just two or three minutes later. But um, the first 20 minutes, although United will say that they were in control and fairly comfortable, Forrest were showing signs that, you know, especially in the first five minutes, actually, you know, they they got into the box a couple of times. And I think that's something which was essentially the story of the match from a from a Forest perspective, wasn't it? It, it kind of was, yeah. I mean, I think, and I'm, I'll, I'll come back to this later, I think, that um, United are, like us, a very good counter-attacking side 
And I think Ten Hag doesn't want them to be a counter-attacking side. So they started off sitting off quite a bit. We started off relatively cagey. So the first 20 minutes were actually pretty quiet. But because they were they were sitting off quite a bit, we managed to to move forwards. And then as the game went forwards and um and Ten Hag yelled at them a lot, they started keeping possession much more and denying us what we wanted to do and pressing us higher up the pitch. So it kind of changed in character. I think United sort of reverted to type to start with a little bit. Mm. Okay, so um one thing I will say is that uh, in terms of United kind of trying to press us back, it meant that Forrest, when they did try and break, I think that um, in particular, Lingard and Awanyi looked like the people who might make something happen. But um, Tom from this podcast in our WhatsApp group, he did make the point that Taiwo is, when he gets the ball, he's making some good runs. But the trouble is, then he looks up and there's no one in the same postcode as him. And and again, that's something where it, it must have been pretty frustrating for you at the game to watch. It was. And and this is the other thing, because I was uh, behind enemy lines, as it were. I did spend much of the game with my scarf over my mouth, so I didn't get myself chucked out. But um, yeah, there were a number of times where Taiwo made, picked up the ball, basically ran 30 or 40 yards, looked up and realised he had no options on, so he had to then try and beat another player and would lose it at that point. And that's exactly what happened for the second goal, where I think it was Casemiro that took it off him. But what it says to me, um, just thinking ahead to the window, is we need someone who can hold the ball up. For games like this, what you need is someone who can buy five or ten seconds so that the rest of the team can pull on. Because especially as Lingard and Johnson were doing a lot of defensive work, well, all three of them were doing a lot of defensive work. So you need that that little bit of extra time to give them time to get up the pitch and give us some options. And Taiwo isn't really that kind of player. No, it's a bit of a bit of a balancing act there, isn't it? Because on the one hand, the fact that he was able to get the ball and and advance us up the pitch um, takes the pressure off defensively, but then it only ever comes back because he's got no one yeah. to pass to. And um, uh, to, to hark back to the past, that's what Keenan Davis gave us. He could do the running bit and he could hold it up. Yeah. Um, uh, once again, I think that's something we might come back to a little bit later mm. on. Um, okay, so let's talk about about United taking the lead. Um, what was frustrating about it? It's one of those, you look at it from both perspectives. The rest of the world will look at it and go, what a brilliantly worked corner routine. Ericsson um, played it low to about more or less about the penalty spot and Rashford ghosted around the back of the defence and put in, you know, he used the pace that was already on the ball to just steer it into the corner of the goal. Hennessy couldn't react. Um, but of course, from our perspective, we're going to look at this through a forest lens and someone should have known that Rashford was making that run. Uh, and and I think that Willy Bolly in particular was a little bit slow to react because he was the man nearest to Rashford. And I, was, I saw it uh, at half time. We went down to get a drink and I saw the replay on one of the screens and you can see Willy Bolly. He's he's obviously down to mark one of their other players. He sees Rashford making the run. He steps to chase Rashford, then stops, hesitates, and then steps to chase Rashford again, which gives Rashford like two yards on him. 
and I, I don't I don't know whose fault that is or whether I mean I don't think Bolly had the best game at all all round, but. I mean, yeah, someone should have been watching Rashford properly and it fell to Bolly to do it and he wasn't sure if he should or not. And there was a, that you could see the indecision when when he tried to chase him. Well, OK, um, let's move on to the second goal because it happens straight afterwards. And this isn't me trying to call out players, but... Um, but there is going to be something that I, I, I will need to say. As you said earlier, it actually came from Forrest getting down the channel and Taiwo, he made a run up the right flank this time and got past his man. I thought he was held back at one point. The ref, he still had the ball, so the ref played advantage. Uh, There's another attempt at a tackle. He shrugged it off. And then the third attempt, Casemiro not only tackled him, made a clean tackle. It would have been easy to put it out for throw-in or out for a corner even, but he actually managed to stop the ball, play it forward, and the United went down the left-hand flank. Now, before we go any further, of course I'm looking at this from a biased perspective, but I'm thinking, referee, bring it back for the first foul where Taiwo was being tugged back. Did you think that's all? No, to be honest. Uh, I thought... I thought that... It was a case of, again, I didn't have the best view because I was very, very high up. It was like watching it on a small TV to some extent. But um, but I thought it was, you know, when like a player, when you, when you see a player who's great at dribbling mm-hmm. and they ghost past players and then you see someone else who's not quite as good at dribbling and they beat the first player and they beat the second player and then they stumble on the third player mm-hmm. and then they can't get past the fourth. That's what it felt like to me with Taiwo's run. It was like he just ran out of steam. There was there was only so much beating of people he had, mm-hmm. and so so I didn't. Uh, it could have been a foul, but from where I was, it could have been he was just running out of steam when trying to beat that player. Okay, um, United did break very quickly, and it, it's worth saying that um, you talked about what Ten Hag may or may not want. United to do as a as a kind of as a tactical force but they were exceptional in transition mm. and um and Rashford was was a key part for that and he I mean Serge Aurier I thought Serge Aurier had another good game but on this occasion he really needed to show Rashford down the outside and he let him cut inside play the ball and there's I mean it was just a comedy of errors so first Aurier letting Rashford come inside then Bolly he did that thing again, like he did from the corner, where he just he took a step one way and then took a step the other way and hesitated. And that again meant that Martial could steer the ball past. And then Hennessy had already had him because his legs were because his because his stance was all wrong. It went yeah. straight straight through his legs. Hennessy had already had a moment where Malassia had had a shot and um Hennessy had sort of saved it with his legs, but it kind of squirmed through and hit the post and went away. Um He's not going to remember this first half very fondly, is he? Because on a slippery pitch, um, compared to Henderson, Henderson's very good at getting down quickly. And Hennessy, you know, on the replay, it looks like he's going down in stages. And he got a hand to the ball. And it's one of those things whereby if you're going to get a hand to it, you've got to find a way of keeping it out. And 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 it's, it's that, that's a classic thing, isn't it? If your first choice keeper isn't available, you want your second choice keeper to come in and just kind of give it everything. And Hennessy in the first half, he just wasn't quite up to spec, was he? So I'm not... 
I'm not calling out those individuals um, because it's a it's a team thing. Both of those goals conceded were down to team things. But United will be delighted with them. The rest of the footballing world will go, United did well there. But from us as Forest fans, both of those goals, they feel a bit preventable, don't they? Yes. Um, yeah, both both of them were 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 preventable. And what really worried me was we scored conceded two in quick succession, which brought back memories of Leicester and Man City and Fulham and all those others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um now I'm just going to um move on because as you brought that up, so the worry was that we'd have another big collapse. The good news is that although United remained in control, Forrest didn't. They did have a bit of spirit and a bit of bit of fight about them. And in particular, I think step forward Ryan Yates at this point, wasn't it? Yes. He had a uh, a good shot from distance that I thought had hit the post, but seeing the replay it was a save. Although you would you would argue that if Ryan Yates had scored from that, then you'd definitely ask questions of their keeper. Mm-hmm. Um and then, yeah, and like you're saying about the team thing, Ryan Yates was was the midfielder that made things happen. Uh, he was doing the Yates thing of shoving people over and putting his hands all over him, but also driving forward, carrying the ball, making stuff happen. Um, and he was definitely our best player on the night. Mm. And, I mean... Steve Cooper said in his um, post-match interview with Amazon, he said, you know, I, would, I prefer to look at the processes that make things happen rather than just moments. But he said, but the moment that, you know, could have turned out differently was just on the cusp of half time, free kick from Renan Lodi. Yates gets ahead on it. We think we've scored. Yates turns around and celebrates. Um, you're probably biting your tongue and sitting on your hands in the United end, trying not to give anything away. And then I just thought that's going to get disallowed. So mm-hmm. I was watching, I was watching on Amazon. I thought that's going to get disallowed. And they were checking for handball for about two minutes, which was ridiculous because there's clearly no handball. And then they moved on to the offside. And what happened is that Yates had headed it down. It had hit Bolly on the shin as um which um sent it into in off the post but bolly was just in front of yates when he headed it which meant that it was an offside so there's two ways of looking at this number one is that well it's unfortunate it was an offside number two is that um yates he should have buried it i think yeah I mean, having said that, even even if even if it hadn't, I didn't realise it. I was looking again. It was just went down for a drink, and I was watching it on the um, the the screen. Even if Yates had buried it, Bolly was offside, and the defender, the other side of Yates, was busy looking after Bolly. So I think that would have counted as as being offside, no matter what. It's not like Bolly was offside, but miles away from the, the 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 action. So I think it would have been disallowed no matter what. Mm. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure it would have been, to be honest. I think ultimately what happens is you put the ball away, don't you? If, if mm. you're the if you're the man with that free header, you put the ball away and you worry about the rest afterwards. What was interesting um, is a couple of things that I'm just going to mention about the referee. Now, I'm going to point out that the referee had no bearing on the result, um, but 
just to reflect what a few people on Forest social media were saying. Anthony Taylor was put under undue pressure because the um, PGMOL released a story saying that he had made a mistake in his last match refereeing Man United. That seems a bit odd. Number Mm. two, Anthony Taylor's from Altrincham, which is eight miles away from Old Trafford. Number three, there was that question mark about the when a one use dispossessed. I think that's not anything, as you said, nothing to argue about there. I think Taiwo in the future needs to be a bit more street smart and go down quite dramatically to make Mm. the referee make his mind up. Next one, there's a tackle by Malassia, which if it had been an away player, I think would have been a red card because Malassia was both feet off the ground, jumping yeah. in, and he ended up hurting himself as much as Aurier. But yellow was probably fair. But if it had been, you're not going to get a United player at Old Trafford sent off for a tackle like that on the halfway line. No, no. And it's very unlike if it had been one of our players at the city ground, I think a yellow card would be the quite likely outcome as well. When when it happened, I can remember going, that's a bad tackle. And the person I was with was like, yeah, I think he's faking injury to try and make out that it was less bad than it actually was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it was understood within the ground that it wasn't the best tackle. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, of course, I'll say uh, there's, there's this moment. So what was interesting is the amount of conspiracy theorists saying, well, VAR's conspiring against Forrest. No, look, the ball hit Bolly as the last man. He was offside. Therefore, it's an offside. I don't don't quite see what. But as a moment, that would have meant that it would have been very, very interesting if we'd been going in at 2-1. But as it was at halftime, it was 2-0 to Man United. The 1865 Match Report. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. So 2-0 down at half-time, the question being, you know, what would happen? And I think it's fair to say that if United had really wanted to, they could have put us to the sword. But I think that they were happy to let Forest have possession. And then essentially United decided that they were going to play on the counter and threaten that way, didn't they? Um, In a way, that was probably for the neutral viewing the match is probably a bit dull, but... As a Forest fan, I'm going, well, that's worked out okay because it actually worked out well for both teams. United were able to feel comfortable in what they did. Forest were able to gain feel, you know, get a feel of the ball and weren't weren't humiliated, essentially. Um let's talk about substitutions. The first one was a bit unfortunate. So Jesse Lingard did pull up. He had a heavily strapped right thigh. Um, It looked like he had decided that he couldn't continue. He pulled up and it looked like that right thigh. So we're already missing Gibbs White. It might be for a few weeks. We could really do without Lingard disappearing because he, although he didn't make anything happen tonight, he did look more like the Jesse Lingard with a smile on his face, didn't he? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, he, he didn't really see much of the ball, certainly not in, in the United end. But, um, yeah, we, we we need him, I think. And I had this, like, before the match, I had this like, little inkling that this could be one of his games, but it wasn't to be. To be fair, though, he did get a, a generous round of applause from the old Trafford play, um, fans mm-hmm. as he came off as well. So he's obviously still very well regarded there. Yeah. Um, so we brought on Lewis O'Brien. Now, it meant O'Brien was essentially playing as, as a bit of a false nine for a, for a few minutes, which seemed a bit of an odd fit. My thought at the time was that because Lingard was not necessarily a planned substitution at that stage, um, Cooper didn't want to mess around with the planned substitutions that were going to take place on the mm. hour mark. Um, uh, and, and when those planned substitutions did go on, we saw... Uh, Emmanuel Dennis and Sam Surridge come on for uh, who did they come on for? For Taiwo and for Mangala, mm-hmm. and we also saw Toffolo come on for Renan Lodi. Um, just a quick word on Renan Lodi: um, he looks more comfortable playing first team football for Forest now, but with Gibbs White out and Scarpa not yet eligible, Renan Lodi was taking the set pieces, and he. Don't I? I think the one occasion he got past the first man with a corner, and we had a few of them. He hit it so far that it basically almost went out for a throw in at the other mm. at the other end. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that he is not the best corner taker. And when Toff came on and took over the corners, he at least looks like he might find a, uh, a yellow shirt in the box. Yeah, I, I also I have a suspicion that Lodi was on to to give a bit of pace to counter Rashford. I mean, just a quick word on Rashford as well. He was imperious. He was like, he was everywhere. But the other thing was Rashford was swapping wings. So mm-hmm. Lodi was almost like neutralised by the fact that he didn't have, um, who would it have been up against then? Uh, Anthony. Anthony. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, so I think Lodi was on to, to deal with Rashford and they outsmarted us on that front. Um there were, there were a few moments where he looked like he wasn't really getting to grips with the game as well. Um, uh, the same thing of uh, maybe English footballs, he's not used to the pace of it and the physicality of it. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's that's uh, obviously a, a conversation we've already had. Um, one thing that I would say is that when Surridge and Dennis came on, initially it looked like Brennan Johnson was going to go into the false nine position and Surridge and Dennis playing as wide forwards, that quickly shifted to Surridge playing as a centre forward. And I'm assuming that was the initial thought was to try and press United's back line a bit more because Varane mm. obviously was knackered after the World Cup. Luke Shaw isn't a centre half and we really didn't do anything to press him. Mm. Um, so whether that was an attempt to do that. But the trouble is with that, I mean, as I saw someone comment on social media, we could have had Erling Haaland up front and we still wouldn't have scored because the ball wasn't getting into those areas enough yeah. for Forrest. Um, the final substitution did see Nico Williams come on for Serge Aurier, but um, and it was after that substitution that the United scored their final goal. So they'd made some subs themselves. And one of those subs, Fred, was played in by Casemiro, uh, down the uh, their left, our right, and it was a it was a great pass uh, and a great finish. Theme that I'm going to come on to Emmanuel Dennis. Um, I you know once again you don't want to spend too long calling out individual players, but 
the poor guy um, was essentially United's best passer once he came on, wasn't he? He, he? he, I don't think he found a yellow shirt once after he came on as a sub. No, and it, it's yeah. That I think that the whole story of the the game was they man for man were better than us, mm-hmm. just in general. So there, there was they. they I mean. Uh, I think, um, I'm, yeah, so I'm going to talk about the, our midfield. Today, our midfield just didn't work. And partly that's because they were up against Casemiro and Ericsson and Fernandez. There was a point where Fernandez tried a lob from about 40 yards out that just went over. And there was a bit where later on where he did uh, Rabona to bring someone into the play. Mm-hmm. And that sort of confidence and control of the, the center of the park we i, I mean i bet i barely remember Froiler doing anything the entire game mangala looked really really rusty and it worries me that uh, i said before the world cup that it was really nice that yates and kayate seemed to have a bit of an understanding they knew when one mm. was going the other should sit and, and all that sort of thing what the others were going to do whereas yates and mangala didn't have any of that today and Mangala did look very very rusty but it meant that we had no control of the the ball really in the center of the park and obviously Casemiro Casemiro is amazing but they just it was almost like like you, you alluded to earlier it was like when we had the ball it was because they wanted us to have the ball more than anything else yeah um and yeah, let's just get this out of the way. Casemiro was on a completely different planet to every yeah. other player on the pitch. He was absolutely outstanding. And and he's a player that I think you and I, have, you and I like defensive midfielders anyway. Yeah. He's a player that you and I have always liked every time we've seen him play for, for Madrid and Brazil. And, um, and there was that thing of like, well, will he adapt to the Premier League? Like what he's done is he's made sure that the match is being played the way that he wants it to be played, um, which shows what an influence he is. And um, just coming back to Emmanuel Dennis as well, um, there was a vague moment of threat uh, where Forrest could have got a goal, where Dennis went down the left-hand side, the ball pinged about. Brennan Johnson tried a little back heel, easy save. For De Gea, like re- reaction save, um, and then Surridge tried to ping the rebound in, and um, it went straight back to De Gea. So it wasn't really anything there. Um, the reason I'd mentioned Dennis is because he had given the ball away. He'd passed it essentially to Bruno Fernandez for that lob, and <laughs> he passed it directly to Casemiro um, for Casemiro to set up United's third goal. So not a good night at the office for Emmanuel Dennis. And it finished 3-0 to Manchester United. Now, before we go any further, um, you managed to get uh, one of the people you're with, who's a United fan, to mm-hmm. to give us a, a bit of a, a rundown of their thoughts on the match. So please introduce introduce our guest. Uh, so this is a this is so I was on basically I was on a corporate day out because uh, this is my sales director, Stephen Barnes, who uh, has been a lifelong United fan. Well, first thing to say is that Baz behaved himself very well. Uh, I'll be honest, I was a little bit nervous to uh, take him into uh, the home stands at Old Trafford, but uh, he behaved himself and kept a, a reasonably uh, low profile during the game. Um, I was a little bit anxious when you guys thought he might have scored at one point. I thought I was going to have to wrestle him to the ground to stop us getting chucked out, but uh, he behaved himself very well, so uh, well done, Baz. It was obviously an important game for United, um, post-World Cup and post-Ronaldo. 
Um, we looked sharp. We looked pretty creative, but there wasn't a real killer instinct about us. And I know that's a bit, it might be to be a stupid thing to say after a 3 0 victory, but we created a lot of chances. There was lots of creativity, you know, great attacking moves, but we, we looked like we're still lacking a quality number nine. Um, and I know Marshall's a good player, Rashford's in fantastic form at the moment. We haven't got a quality number nine, really. And the question is, can the club still attract one? And I don't just mean a big lump that'll go up front and be physical and try and win a few headers. United are still struggling in that area, but we need a player who can play as well. And there are limited options out there. Hopefully we can find someone to do that job for us. But I thought we looked very attacking-minded, obviously. There was a bit of a makeshift defence at the back there, but we were fresh, which is good to see coming off the World Cup. Um, I thought that Shaw did well, Basaka in particular was good at the back, considering he's barely played this season, and we looked all right when he started against Burnley the other day. Um, and obviously Casemiro is just an absolutely top draw midfielder, so he's gonna he's gonna basically stifle you guys, which is what what appeared to happen is that the the Forest midfield never really got going, and we could probably point to the fact that you've got a you know, world class midfielder in Casemiro playing against you. That's probably not helped you. Albeit he's a little longer in the tooth now, he's still an absolutely quality player. Um, just generally thinking about how Forest paid it, look a little bit like a Christmas hangover. If I'm being perfectly honest. Um, you know, we mean by start that you guys weren't running too many fifty-fifty balls. You know, it's you know obviously uh, you've had some players away for the World Cup, although they haven't been playing that much in the in the World Cup themselves, been part of the squads. But it wasn't it wasn't a great performance. Um, you could say that um, there were some defensive errors as well. I know you guys talk about new centre back. I would you know that might be you've spent a lot of money as well, a lot of signings. Is that the solution? But looking at your fixture list ahead into January. Uh, you guys are going to play the teams around you and you need to not be conceding goals. It looks like you're playing the, the team above you, team below you and those that are out of the relegation zone. So you, obviously very important for you guys, but it just didn't look like you were at the races and I know it's going to be a particularly tricky period for you guys in the next month or so. Uh, I do think there's enough quality about Forest though. Um, it was, um, you know, you had a goal disallowed, but it was, you know, it was, it was, it was up there and you, there's a, you try and play, you're not just a... A boring team that's going to get relegated for not playing good football. You do try and play good football, and this, you know, it's obviously noted. You have, of course, got good attacking players available to you, or that hopefully will be available in the future. Um, you know, disappointed to see Lingard limp off. He's still a quality player. And I think he can do a really good job for you. A good, he did get a good reception off the United fans when he came off injured, but. If you guys keep on straight and narrow, it's important that you're off the uh, the bottom for uh, for Christmas. I do think you've got a good chance of uh, of staying up, but you need to pull the goals at the back, and you need to be a little bit more structured in that defence. I think um, you've um, you've got a chance, and I really do hope it works out for you. Okay, thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to share your thoughts there. Now, let's talk a little bit about what this means for Forest. Um, we mentioned Keenan Davis earlier and um, the the received wisdom was that Forrest were felt a bit priced out of, out of Keenan Davis. Villa wanted 15 million and we were like, well, with his injury record, he's not played really that much top flight football. Is that worth it? We ended up spending just over, I think it's just over 20 million on Emmanuel Dennis. So Watford get 20 million from us. They signed Keenan Davis on loan <laughs> and he's doing Keenan Davis things in the championship. Now, there's no guarantee about whether he'd have been able to do it quite so well in the Premier League. But um, Watford have had our pants down, haven't they? <laughs> yes and no. I mean, 
again, I think today we weren't good. Oh, yesterday, rather. We we weren't good. It was a poor performance by most of our players. They made mistakes. They were off the pace and they were outclassed in, in each of their battles. Um, Dennis should be doing better than he is, I think. He's got the... Uh, he's, he's proven that he can do it. And he's well, got we signed talent. him on the basis of having a decent goal-scoring record yeah. for Watford in the in the Premier League, and he's got this pace that, um, to some extent, we we really need, especially if we're going to play sitting deep, conceding possession, and then playing on the break. But it's just not happened for him yet, mm. really, and and we need it to quite quickly. Um, and yeah, uh, as I say, again, if we're going to play that way. I th- which makes sense to me. It makes perfect sense. And I, I, I like counter-attacking football as well. Mm. But we need someone who can make the ball just slow down at the, at the other end. If 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 we've got Stan Collymore, who's going to beat four players and then score, then that's fine. We can play that way. But if you've not got that, then you need to bring other players into the, into the game. And Jono was left on the halfway. He's got pace, but he was left on the halfway line. Dennis... We were playing higher up the field and Dennis was in there half and much more. But, yeah, he couldn't control the ball. So. And, and, and in both of their cases as well, their decision-making wasn't great. So there's a, there's a great moment um, late on at 2-0 two, at still where Johnson got forward. And this is something you can just about get away with in the championship because there'll be other chances. But in the Premier League, you don't get as many. Mm. Johnson, as he broke, if he just... L- he lifted his head, and if he just threaded the ball through, Surridge would have been behind his defender one-on-one, and we know that Surridge, you know, a good proportion of the time will at least hit the target. Instead, Johnson kept going, and then he tried to take his man on, tried to get a low cross in, it got blocked at source. Mm. And those are kinds of things whereby you need players like Johnson and you'd hope that Dennis would be able to do it because he's got a couple of seasons of Premier League experience under his belt those decisions you need to do them and I guess what I'm getting at is that in these away matches is if you're somebody that's kind of not a seasoned football watcher you might kind of say well Forrest have been a bit unlucky because that ball like it's ricocheted off a defender and then it's gone United's way and or it's gone Arsenal's way, it's gone Man City's way, or whatever. It's not luck, is it? Because it happens every single away yeah. match. Is that is that the other team are better with their positioning? You can't control necessarily which way a ricochet is going to go, but it's not a coincidence. It's always the opposition who are first to the ball, and it has to be set as the, the first and consistently winning the fifty fifties as well. Um, it, I think as well they their fullbacks played a blinder because. They kept our wide players out of the game completely. We were pinned; they were pinned back in our half and not able to get forwards. And much as we've tried to change the way we play from last season, we still rely on that width. And Johnson still tries to go outside people, mm-hmm. um, yeah. uh, basically a, a kick and run, which yeah. works in the championship, but isn't going to work against someone who's much much smarter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Steve Cooper said a couple of interesting things 
So he said that, like like me, <laughs> he's fallen into the trap of saying, I don't want to call out individuals. And he's mentioned a couple of moments where there's really only one or two players <laughs> he could have been talking about um, because he talked about the defending for the first goal. He talked about um, the set pieces being taken. So he can only have been talking about Bolly and Renan Lodi. Mm-hmm. Um, so bless him, he tried not to, but he did say that. Most interesting thing he said was that in terms of, what we're trying to do and 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 the way we're trying to do it, then this wasn't like those matches against Man City and Arsenal and Leicester where the players weren't weren't even doing what they should have been doing. Mm. But what I'd really like to have seen, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, what I'd really have liked to have seen would be just a little bit more um determination and belief. And it was, it was almost as if Forrest had resigned themselves to the fact we're not going to win this. So apart from that shot from Yates in the first half, everything else, if they just had a little bit more oomph about them, a little bit more um, self-belief, then actually, you know what? I'm not saying we'd have got a result, but we could have at least made a bit more of a stab at it, couldn't we? Yeah. uh, And again, coming back to the 50-50s, when when we're playing at home and the crowd has been singing Forrester Magic for 25 minutes, you win those 50-50s. Mm-hmm. But we consistently lost all those 50-50s. And, and I said I said afterwards, it's like, I'm not really disappointed about the result. I'm disappointed about the performance because that didn't look like us for, for big parts of the game. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, again, going back to, to social media, look, it's between Christmas and New Year. I'm looking at social media more than I might do otherwise. Um it basically, as as ever, no nuance. It either splits into that's not good enough, and Forest are are rubbish, and we shouldn't be happy with 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 losing um, those kinds of games. To other people saying, well, actually, there was progress if you consider what the Arsenal match and the Leicester match mm. were like. Um, as ever, I suspect the truth lies somewhere in between. And um, what's really um, brought home by this is that Forest are a completely different beast at home compared to away from home. Um, the last time we saw that kind of contrast was maybe under Sabri, where at home they're a little bit they're a little bit stayed, but away it meant that that kind of mm. that kind of turgid kind of style of play was really, really good for getting results away from home. We saw it under Billy Davis um Mark One, didn't we, where we had an amazing home record. Um, for a season and a bit Um, but it was the away record that maybe just Mm -hmm. stopped us from getting over the finishing line I mean this is something I I wouldn't necessarily have expected from somebody who's such a a student of the game as as Steve Cooper Um, so do you reckon it does just boil down to belief and the fact that I mean the other thing that Cooper said actually he was referring to blocking in the box again talking about Rashford's goal and he's saying yeah, the way in which people block in the box in the Premier League compared to the Championship is something we need to get used to. So do you think it is that thing of like, because it's just upper level, we've got still got quite a lot of players who haven't played in the Premier League before, that that's what's stopping us away from home. Whereas at home, when you've got 27,000 home fans roaring you on, it just gives you that extra 10%. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think... I mean, today, uh, as I said, I think our, our players were visibly not as good as United's players. Mm-hmm. But the the 
fight that like earlier on when when things were looking really really bad for us after Leicester and and all that everyone was calling for Lewis O'Brien to 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 start and the reason for that was because he gave us that drive and that running and that energy and that that belief that that something could happen Yates has been giving us that as well but it was absent from the rest of the team and that's I think it's it's almost like an inferiority complex, right? We're playing away at an eighty thousand seater stadium, and we don't really belong there. Mm. And that's kind of the issue. Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting. So what what that's telling us is that this season it is going to be the home form because that's where the belief's going to come from. Mm. Um, ultimately, we are. You know, there's talk about maybe two, between two and four players coming in. Um, in this window so ultimately let's be realistic and even Maranakis in his interview with John Percy has recognized this now this season is just about getting to the finish line with three teams lower than us in the league isn't it and then if they do that then I think that belief will come yeah 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 I think uh, I mean can bang on about the, the 22 players transferred in but a lot of those players came from Germany or from other leagues and some of them came from the championship. So stepping up and adapting to what is a very, very fast, very, very physical league with its own ways of doing things. Like I said, with, with Jono, with, with, you can't just kick and run. Mm. You have to have a bit of guile about you as well. And it's taking time to adapt to that. Um, which is bound to do. If the players are good enough, they will step up and get there and and do that. But it's how quickly they can do that is the real question. Okay. Well, let's just finish off by just reminding ourselves that this time last year, we were talking about a 2-0 defeat to Middlesbrough and things were looking and feeling a bit... And once again, actually, we had, we had quite a thin squad at that point as well. Um, and... So, you know, we talk about 22, 23 players. Um, was that, when, was that when we had two lo- defeats in... Con- yeah, had two defeats, yeah. two defeats in a week. And uh, yeah, all of a sudden that that momentum that we felt building after Cooper took over suddenly felt a long way away. And then and then, and then, then it picked up in, in the new year. Um, and how it picked up, because at that point we were looking at League One still. And we are in the Premier League, so let's not let's not forget that it's been quite a remarkable calendar year. Um, Steve Cooper, as lots of stats folk are pointing out, is the first manager since Billy Davis Mark One to complete an entire calendar year as Forest manager. Um, we will always, as Callum said in our last um, podcast, we will always have Wembley, <laughs> and what a wonderful um, memory and experience that was for those of us who who managed to make it there. Um, so 2022 comes to an end with Forest in a very different place to where they were a year ago uh, we thank you to uh, listener for joining us throughout the year we will be back after the Chelsea match on New Year's Day when we'll have UNHCR on our shirts um, he might not get a chance to play but we'll have Gustavo Scarpa in our squads to hopefully take better corners and 
And fingers crossed, um, we will have a home atmosphere to be proud of once again. And we shall, fingers crossed, take Forest over the finishing line more often than it doesn't. So thank you very much to you, Baz. Thank you to Stephen for providing the view from the home end. And thank you to you, listener, for joining us. Happy New Year. We'll see you after the Chelsea game. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.